Good morning. It's nice to see you this morning. I'm Rick. I'm the interim pastor here at the Wilmington campus. And as many of you know, we are in the midst of a series of short teachings about the theology or a theology of the city. Um, trying to just put some, some legs onto what does it mean to love the city in the way that the Bible would teach us to. And on the way to this, we've established a working definition of the city. It is a densely populated, heterogeneous, and culturally relevant geographical area that extends influence beyond itself. So hopefully that's, when I say that, you go, yes, we've got it. We know the definition. We've heard this. Um, and over the last few weeks, we've studied a few of the points. So a few of the items of our theology is, first, that cities are important to God's heart. Secondly, in cities, small areas of Christian faithfulness can produce widespread fruitfulness. And three, race and ethnicity present both challenges and opportunities, but they cannot be ignored, particularly in the urban setting. And so as we move into today's addition to our list, I want to take you back to Eden. Ponder for a second. Eden. Paradise. Warm breezes. Large trees with fruit. Eat the fruit. Babbling brooks. Perfect relationships. Intimate connection with God. It is paradise. Until, of course, it is lost. When Adam and Eve decided to assert their own will in the face of God's warning, and they end up being cast out of the garden. They have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, becoming the first murderer, and it is sent in exile. He is sent away as a wanderer. Off he goes, and he builds the first city. A bit of a dubious start to the idea of city, I would say, and it doesn't get better over the next couple chapters. Next main... Next main... Um, it's okay, I can see. Actually, it's probably better for me there. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the next main story about a city is when a group of people gather together to build a city, and in the middle of that city, they want a huge tower that can extend to heaven. It is the city of Babel. The next major cities in Genesis are called Sodom and Gomorrah, which God destroys and become the sort of exemplar for the rest of Scripture of sinful depravity. Sodom and Gomorrah. This is not a good start to the idea of city. And so you might think that God would abandon this idea of city. But he actually does just the opposite. God ends up using the idea of city to build and to bring redemption. The redemption story traces its way through cities. It starts off even with Cain. When Cain's, is, uh, when Cain's city are, cities are first introduced, it talks about how in those cities, metallurgy was developed, farming technology was developed, and music was developed, all in Genesis 4, all in the first cities. It's the cities of Egypt that serve as a haven for, jo- uh, for Joseph and eventually for the family of Israel, and it's in the cities of Egypt, that the family of Israel becomes the nation of Israel. All that happens in cities. So surely they're not abandoned by God. 
But when God has his people in the wilderness, as we're learning today from Pastor John, and he's explaining to them how to establish themselves in the promised land, he does not say to them, when you get to the promised land, when you get to Canaan, I want you to build a garden from the north to the south. He says, occupy the cities, build cities, make holy and righteous cities. Years later, King David chooses a city to become the capital, both metaphorically and spiritually and politically, of Israel. The place is eventually known as the city of peace, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And Jesus, when he walked the earth, had a special heart for Jerusalem. He even longed. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I long to gather you in like a a hen would gather her chicks under her wing, but you would not come. It's outside the walls of Jerusalem that Jesus is crucified, but it's inside the walls that he appears to his disciples after he's resurrected. And with Jerusalem as the base, the disciples go out into all the world. How? Through cities, Ephesus, Philippi, Rome. The thread of redemption goes through the city. And it continues in the city. Listen to these words from Revelation 21. This is the future hope. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple was the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of a sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will all the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. What a hopeful and beautiful view of the future for those who follow Christ. No mourning, no crying, no pain anymore. But did you notice the image? You see, we often think of our future as a return to the garden. But the image is not, that is portrayed is not of a garden, but of a city. And it is a city that is portrayed as better than the garden. The new Jerusalem is Eden 2.0. Because there is no longer a sea which all throughout Scripture is the image and the, and the symbol of chaos and destruction and fear. There's also no sun nor moon. Why? Because God's presence is so um, real that there's perpetual light from God himself 
and his son. There's no need for other light. And in the next chapter in Revelation, we learn that central in the city is a tree, the tree of life, and it says all nations will gather around the tree, eat of it, and be healed. And so from all of this, we add to our theology, number four, the history of redemption is rooted in cities, and a city serves as the final image of redemption. And this is helpful theologically, but it's also helpful practically. Cities are still crucial in the history of redemption. The thread of redemption that's run through cities still runs through the city. Why? Wait for it. Because cities are densely populated, heterogeneous, culturally relevant, and they extend influence beyond themselves. So God uses the city to build his kingdom. And if that is the case, then the church must be in the city. And so here we are. We bring the hope of the eternal city to our city. That final picture in the book of Revelation It may be metaphorical for a future that we can't even comprehend, and so it's given to us in words that we can understand, like city and gates. But even so, the image of this, one day, all of God's followers will be urbanites. The history of humanity starts in a garden, but it ends in a city. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful that we are here. We have no regrets. We know you have not abandoned the city. In fact, Lord, we see throughout Scripture and then throughout history since that so much of your kingdom has been built and flourished because of the ways you've worked in cities. And so we pray that you would help us to be people who bring the eternal hope of the new city, of the new Jerusalem, to our city, so that there might be hope for a future where there is no mourning, where there is no sorrow, where there is no pain, but where there is a tree of life where all the nations gather and can be healed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.